Good morning, everybody. Welcome into 104.3 The Fans Coffee Break. Jake Shapiro, Rachel Veal, hanging out with you again on this Friday. And Jake, it is Friday. We are so excited for the weekend, even though we do have back together Broncos training camp. We'll get into that a little bit later, but it's still the weekend almost. How are you? I'm good. You know, last night I spent a great four hours at the Rockies game watching them lose 13-0. My girlfriend says to me, she goes, you know, Walking into the game, she goes, one of the things on my baseball bucket list is to see a position player pitch. Well, we saw it last night, um, and it was it was so exciting because, you know, when your position player is pitching the best inning of the day, uh, you are having a very bad day. Oh, my. okay. So I'm obviously – I'm not a big baseball gal, so kind of fill me in. Who were they playing? Why did that even happen? Why was there a position player pitching? What What went down? Uh, well, the Dodgers beat the Rockies 13 nothing last night. Um, nice. And essentially, if you're down by more than five, six runs, and it's that late in the game, the chances of you coming back are very small. So there, there's almost no point to have uh, to waste an arm, especially if you're in between off days for a while. Like a lot of times there'll be uh, breaks in the baseball schedule where teams play for 15 straight days or something like that. So there's no need to waste an arm if you're in a blowout. Major League Baseball in the last CBA actually had to make rules that specified position players can only pitch during certain portions of baseball games because teams like the Dodgers and Giants were just employing guys essentially on the end of their bench who could also pitch a, a decent amount uh, anytime the game got somewhat sideways to, to go in there and pitch and to save their actual bullpen arms. And the pitcher pitchers were upset that they weren't pitching enough innings. Okay, well, Tommy in the yeah. comments just said, did you see what Tommy just said? Dodgers are going to win the NL. Uh, Tommy, I think the Dodgers might win the World Series. They're an all-star team. They're they're fantastic. And if they have the uh, bones to go trade for Juan Soto, which in my mind they do, they have one of the best farm systems still in baseball, even with the fact that they're amazing right now. Uh, you add Juan Soto to this team and it's going to be unbelievable. And uh, we just saw this team last year go far. And of course they've lost Max Scherzer to the Mets, but this team's still so good. I mean, they, they pulled Trey Turner out of the game last night, but he had a great game. Uh, Justin Turner's still a great player. So th they've got so many good talented players uh, and Cody Bellinger, whenever you have a former NL MVP candidate batting like seventh in your lineup, you know, you're, mm -hmm. you know, you're stacked. I like it. I like it. Okay. Well, let's get in to Broncos training camp because day three is underway. People out at Dove Valley or UC Health Training Center. It's so funny how Dove Valley has like continued, but it is UC Health Training Center. Lots of people being out there, though. The lines were nice and long. So we've got some scenes to show you. So let's go ahead and take a look. There it is. A beautiful, beautiful day. Still a little cloudy, but not too shabby. And the hill is looking pretty dang good out there. In a second, you're going to see a long line of people, which means tomorrow is going to be even crazier. So everybody get ready to rumble because tomorrow is back together Saturday. Uh, the tickets are sold out. So if you were trying or hoping to go, you cannot get in. You needed a ticket for this event. So I feel like they're going to be doing some extra special things out there. What do you think, Jake? You know, I said this yesterday when I was on Sandy and Sean, I'd like to see maybe a little fight between the guys. We heard uh, one of the players yesterday talk about brothers fight. Well, maybe we can see yeah, Garrett Bowles was talking about that. So, um, yeah, I love when they get a little heated. Russell Wilson called 
day one of practice a game-like atmosphere, which for me, if 2,000 fans are showing up to a Broncos game and everyone's playing without their pads, uh, I hope that's not what happens. Uh, so I, I don't know how you could confuse that for a game-like atmosphere, but Mr. Positivity can't keep himself from being positive, and I understand that as someone who always sees the dark side. So, yeah, me and Russell, opposite sides of the same coin. Okay, so I need to ask you, Jake, do you have any brothers? I have a little brother, yes. Okay, so is it true that brothers always fight? Like, do you wrestle with your brother almost every time you see him? Because Garrett Bullsher made it seem like you're going to wrestle with your brother anytime you see him. Well, I'm about the age of the Broncos. I'm 27. My brother's 24. I would not lay a physical hand on my brother, and I haven't for years. He's my best friend. Um, but when we were like five and three years old and 10 and seven, we would always, we, we couldn't stop fighting. But again, we were 10 and seven years old, not 22 and 25 or 27 and 24. So yeah, maybe brothers always fight when they're adolescents. Uh, and you know, me and my brother definitely put up some good fights. Uh, me and my brother got suspended from school one time for a fight that me and him had at school. Uh, of course, I got in more trouble than him, which doesn't make sense because we were both equally responsible. It was the same fight, right? Like, but I'm the older one. Okay, wait, we need a few more details on this fight real quick. What was it about? And like, was it actually a physical fight or were you two just like in a screaming match with each other? Well, it was on the playgrounds. It was after kickball. And obviously we went <laughs> to the same schools. And uh, a lot of the time we would scream at each other and we would like just verbally have altercation. Um, but this time my brother and I were upset with our teacher. So we decided to have a fake fight so we could get so we could get out of going to school by being like in class suspended because we figured what would be better than just me and you hanging out for the rest of the day and not having to go to class. So my brother and I stage a fake fight except one of us actually connected on one of our punches and it turned into a real fight. <laughs> oh my gosh. The story of the day. Jake and his brother have a fake fight that turns into a real fight so that they can hang out with each other. I like it. I yep. like it a lot. Okay. Well, I have another question for you about Garrett Bowles. Do you think Garrett Bowles tells everyone that he loves them? Because, you know, he talked about all of his quarterbacks yesterday and his presser and saying, you know, I love them like they're my family. I love this guy like he's my family. Talking about Bradley Chubb, I love this guy. He always loves everyone. So I wonder, I'm like, does your family, is there like, hey, you love everyone like you're supposed to love us? Here's the dirty, 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 dirty secret about football. There's 90 guys on the roster, Rachel. How many people do you know in your life? How many people do you love? Like, there are, there's a great chance that Garrett Bowles does not know who the third string cornerback is for the Broncos. Like doesn't even know his name, let alone anything about him. And like, yeah, Justin Simmons, he probably knows things about, but there's a good chance Pat Sertan and Garrett Bowles have had like four conversations in their entire time as teammates so far. So I, I've never understood how like a quarterback comes up and is like, yeah, that Josh Richardson guy, that, uh, that practice squad secondary guy on my team. I love that guy. What a guy. Like you've had 30 seconds of interaction with this person. You are not like any sort of teammates. That's why I think locker room chemistry as a whole is stupid. And leadership as a whole is stupid in football and most sports generally. Like these guys are not going to be motivated by some guy giving a speech, right? Like 
these guys are motivated by their next contract, by the fact that they are out here being professionals and want to earn money and earn rewards and, and maybe even go to the Super Bowl if they care about winning. Most of the guys don't even care about winning. Uh, so if you're going to sit here and tell me that there needs to be locker room camaraderie and like, you know, have a field day or whatever, like, honestly, like there needs to be no locker room camaraderie between any team ever. Like they're just parts in a machine, to be honest. And it's terrible to think about humans that way, but that's the way the NFL and football in general is codified the way successful football teams are run. The new England Patriots are the most successful football team of my lifetime. It was Tom Brady, a bunch of laundry, and parts in a machine. Oh, my gosh, Jake. Okay. I love that take right there. Uh, We need to really quickly talk about Super Bowl 50 because it was announced earlier today, and I'm actually going to let him do the announcing. But a key piece to the Super Bowl 50 team announced that he is retiring. Take a listen. Hi, Broncos country. Derek Wolf here. After 10 seasons in the NFL, I decided it's time to step away from the game. Time for a new beginning. Derek Wolf. That is Derek Wolf with his second sack of the game. Derek Wolf announced he is retiring a key piece to Super Bowl 50. You love to see it. And he's actually out at Broncos today, too. He's out at training camp. He was walking alongside the fans. If you can check out the Denver Broncos Twitter as well. We're going to take a quick listen because you can hear the cheers for Derek Wolf. There's probably a couple of thousand people out there uh, getting cheers from Derek Wolf. Like I said, you can check out the Denver Broncos Twitter, and we're actually going to show the clip later tonight. He does one final howl, and we see Tommy saying, T.Y. Wolf, and he's got also a heart with the wolf on in our comments. Let us know what your favorite Derek Wolf memory is. And, Jake, do you have anything in particular that sticks out about Derek Wolf? Just being a part of that defense, it's one of the best defenses I've ever seen across any level of football. Like you think about uh, Georgia's defense in college this year and how dominant they were. The Broncos were that level um, that year. They won the Super Bowl and it was such a joy to watch. And the fact that they had guys like Derek Wolf and you don't even really necessarily think about them first when you think about that Broncos team. Like you think about Vaughn, you might think about Shaq, right? And Derek was kind of like that second wave of edge rushers. Like Derek would still start on this team, like peak Derek, right? Like he would start on this team and on those teams, he was a backup kind of. So uh, it, it just goes to show you how unbelievably stacked those teams were. And, uh, you know, I, I miss the no fly zone. I, I miss that defense. It was just so fun to watch and turn on. And you can make the case that that defense carried the worst quarterback in the history of the NFL to win a Super Bowl. Like, that season from Peyton Manning, nine touchdowns, 17 interceptions. That's really, really, really bad. And they won a Super Bowl because guys like Derek Wolf were just unbelievable. Okay. I love that you bring up the no fly zone because I am so sad that the Broncos did not trademark that because now you see teams left and right calling it the no fly zone, the no fly zone. No, we had the original no fly zone. And like you said, it was so much fun to watch. 
did the Broncos have the original no fly zone? I feel like the New York Jets would have come up with that and uh, maybe five years earlier with that team with Richard Sherman and everything. I don't know. I feel like uh, you're definitely right. Someone else could have, but I feel like, you know, Chris Harris, Akeem Tlaib, those guys really made it stick. And now you see it every single year with different teams doing it. So I'm actually going to put you in charge real quick while I talk about Christopher Allen. You see who had the original no-fly zone, because I'm actually very interested to see. But Christopher Allen was taken off the non-football injury list today. Um, He is coming out of Alabama. He was actually undrafted. He dealt with a lot of injuries. But he's going to be big when it comes to special teams, hopefully, Um, if he can make the team. Again, he dealt with injuries kind of all throughout his college career. But having him back out there and being able to practice is going to be huge, because I'm pretty sure we can all agree that special teams definitely struggled the past couple of years for this Denver Broncos team. So hopefully adding somebody with his toughness, you know, his ability is really going to help special teams out, Jake. And you got anything on this no-fly zone? Every reference I have to it is the Denver Broncos. So they they may have been first or at least the loudest on it. Um, they're definitely called that. Like that's the nickname for that defense. Whenever you say no-fly zone, that's what I associate with it. However, trademarks are stupid. So that's a whole other debate. A whole whole other one, but I do definitely, I think, yeah, the Denver Broncos, if anyone else can think of a no fly zone that's stuck more than that Broncos team, please let us know in the comments. I would love to know. CU's secondary in 2016, their rise season, which was four NFL players, uh, Chidobia Wuzier, Tedrick Thompson, Mm -hmm. Isaiah Oliver, um, and uh, uh, Kella Witherspoon. Like that was an awesome secondary. They actually went by money gang. And I think like the whole branding behind like their whole thing was they wanted something like no fly zone, but couldn't do no fly zone because everyone here, you know, would have associated that with the Broncos. Mm -hmm. So they had that whole cool thing. And the thing is, if you're going to give your group a nickname that stands out from the team, like it wasn't even necessarily the defense, right? It was more of just the secondary. There was no fly zone. So if your positional group is coming up with nicknames for themselves, like, you better be damn good. And those guys were both the CU unit and the Broncos one, of course, that won the Super Bowl. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Subject 62 saying Seattle was Legion of Boom. I do remember that. Yep. If you had to come up, Jake, you're very like quirky, creative. If you had to come up with a nickname for this Broncos defense. What would you say? Uh, well, are they? do you think they're going to be good enough or memorable enough to be like a top three defense in the league? top three I would say maybe top seven if everyone can play at their highest potential which we talked about this yesterday Jake where potential is like the death of players careers right because they never reach that potential but if everyone plays at the potential that they're at I would say top seven or top five okay um do you think you have to be a top three to have a nickname I think you have to be, I mean, top three was kind of me being lenient. I think you have to be historically good to like kind of have a nickname. Like you think about hockey lines that get nicknames that last for forever or like baseball lineups that get like, you know, the the nicknames that last forever that are associated with just that single year's team. Like you have to be historically good to earn kind of the, the given nickname for a singular year. Um, So, yeah, I think that, you know, if we're having this conversation five weeks in and the Broncos have only allowed, you know, two touchdowns, then, yeah, I'm down to give them a nickname. As for now, they're the Broncos defense. Okay, well, then real quick, I have to ask you this. What would you give a line for this Colorado Avalanche team? You can pick any line you want, but you have to give them a nickname. Go. Well, you got to go Landis Cog, 
Miko and McKinnon when they do play together. Okay. Um, a good nickname. You could go with the landslide line. Oh, I love it, Jake. See, the creativity is just rolling here on Coffee Break, Jake. Job well done. I like that one a lot, actually. That was good. That was good, Jake. For me putting you Thank on the you spot, that was impressive. I didn't know if what came out of my mouth was going to be good or bad. Like, honestly. <laughs> No, I like it. Okay, well, I want to get into a little bit about Jerry Judy. We talked about this last night on Training Camp Live. If you don't already, hang out with us at 5.30 every single day. There is practice. Myself, May Cecil, and other guests, we break down everything we saw at Training Camp in case you weren't able to go. Or even if you were, you can kind of get a little bit of feedback from the professionals, see what they saw, and, you know, identify it yourself next time you're out there at Training Camp. But... Jerry Judy was my what the heck observation yesterday because it just felt like his effort was an F. He wasn't hitting the pads hard. He was barely touching anybody. It just seemed like he wasn't trying to put his best foot forward. And the guys last night were saying, you know what? I think he's listening a little bit too much to what people are saying about him. And it's really getting to him. It's almost like when you were, I don't know if you ever did this, Jake, my parents are probably mad at me, but if I knew I wasn't an expert in one area, not saying Jerry Judy's not an expert in football, but if I wasn't like a hundred percent, everybody didn't think I was so good at it. I would step back and be like, you know what? I don't have to try this hard because then people can't give me crap if I don't try this hard. Right. Do you know what I'm talking about? I don't try hard at anything. So I don't know. <laughs> okay. Well, I guess. I, well, and, and Rachel, this is like, honestly, a thing I was about to say, like, the whole Russell Wilson works three times as hard and does three times as many things. If the doctor says for you to take 100 milligrams of a pill, do not take 300 milligrams. Don't do everything three times as hard and better than what people say. Don't work harder, folks. Work smarter. <laughs> like, there's no need for you to be in the office from 5 a.m. to 9 p.m. It's called a 9 to 5, not a 5 to 9. Like, enjoy your life. Okay, but show up when you're on the practice field, Jake. Show up and give 100% when you're out there. Are you paid to practice? No. You're paid to play in the games. And this might be a baseball thing because there is no practice in baseball. You just play. Like, I don't care what anyone does in practice, to be honest. And this is like maybe the Jake Shapiro dirty secret. I don't really care. Like, just show up on Sundays and play hard. You can do anything. You could fly to France for five days, come back, and be the best player in the NFL. And I wouldn't care what you did in those five days because it's all about Sunday. Like, that's all that matters. So if Jerry Judy three weeks in sucks, you can look back and say, hey, he should have taken practice more seriously. If Jerry Judy three weeks in is awesome, no one's going to be thinking about what happened in practice. I mean, yeah, he's had a terrible offseason. His practice, it's totally concerning. But I'm not ready to make all encompassing judgments on Jerry Judy based off practice. Rather, what he's done in his NFL career, which has been very disappointing. So give me a couple weeks to say, hey, yeah, Sutton, Patrick, we know those guys to be consistent. But if Jerry Judy finds some sort of connection with Russ, and you might be sitting here, well, he's going to find that connection with Russ in the offseason when they're running all those routes. And no, you're going to find it in a game. If Jerry Judy's finding separation in a game, Russell Wilson just found his new best friend. So let me see Sundays first before I'm ready to say, oh, the Broncos shouldn't bring back Jerry Judy next year. I'm sick of Jerry Judy's attitude. I don't really care. I don't care what Jerry Judy's attitude is. Just put him on the football field and see if he performs this year. If not, get him out of here. If he does, awesome. Give him a huge contract. Okay. The Jake take of the day. You know, he said, screw it what anyone else says. 
depending on what he does in the game. Well, here's my thing is you already mentioned it. He's been disappointing so far coming out of his career. It's disappointing what he's doing on the practice field because he's not showing that effort. Now, week one, if he scores two touchdowns and, you know, he's running open for 80 yards down the left side, I'm going to be thrilled, Jake. You're right. But I want to see that, too, that connection here and seeing every player. I've grilled Melvin Gordon about this, that every player is giving all that they can to be involved in this team and to hopefully bring a Super Bowl back to Denver. I I just don't think that a practice in May – and showing up or not is the difference between who wins the Super Bowl and who not, who doesn't. Like the football is not shaped like a ball. It might bounce a crazy direction. Like just because you went to a practice in May doesn't mean all of a sudden the football is going to bounce the direction you want. Like I've seen teams lose. I've seen the best team in football over the t- over time of watching football lose football games because of their kicker. Right? Like that happens. Like the whole sport of football is guys crashing and into each other and who's tougher and who can get that extra yard. And then all of a sudden the fourth quarter comes down to who has a better kicker. So I've never understood the fact of like how a may practice can be the separator when in reality, it's almost always who has the better kicker. Like, like that's really the whole sport. (laughs) It always comes down to a kicker unless you have Tom Brady, like, so, and even then it's always his kicker who finishes the job. So yeah, like, you know, it's annoying to see as a fan that this guy in Melvin Gordon is not invested into the Denver Broncos as much as you are as a fan. But the reality is it's optional training. It is optional to care about whether your team wins or not. And all you have to do is show up and, 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 and perform like that's what you've got to do. And honestly, Melvin Gordon could have 150 yards every single game and the Broncos could go 0-17 because there's a defense, there's a quarterback, there's wide receivers, there's a kicker, and there's a punter. Like there's more to it than just him. So yeah, Melvin showing up and supporting his teammates, it's nice. It's something a good teammate does. But being a good teammate is not required by your paycheck or required to win games. And that, that's just the reality of the situation. Like teams win Super Bowls with a bunch of guys that aren't good teammates. Who won a Super Bowl this year? Odell Beckham Jr. Would people say he's a great teammate? I don't think so. <laughs> All right, Jake, we're going to agree to disagree on this, but that's why I love having you on because we're not afraid to go back and forth. But we're going to talk a little bit about tight ends now because Eric Saubert, he's taken the tight ends just by storm coming out kind of as this surprising number one. And if you look here at his stats, he had played in all 17 games last year, but he only had eight receptions for 47 yards. And that worries me a little bit when we're going in and being like, Hey, who's going to be our number one tight end for this season. Um, If it's Eric Sauber and he has played in this um, league for like eight years and he only averaged like 5.88 yards a carry last year. I'm like, tad bit concerned but we've also talked about how Russell Wilson doesn't always use his tight ends but we're enjoying the fact that he is starting to throw a little bit more to them so I guess there are pros and cons on this one Jake hit me with yours Eric Sauber in his career which is pretty lengthy he's been in the NFL for six or seven years Mm -hmm. has a total of five or six first down catches I don't know which one's the number I, I forgot it off the top of my head but it's five or six um, so he spent more years in the NFL than he has first down catches. That's not good. Yeah. Um, if Eric Salbert's the starting tight end for the Denver Broncos, they're not winning a playoff game. They're not winning a Super Bowl. Like that's just the reality of the situation. He's not that guy. 
Albert O, I still don't really necessarily have confidence in. And after the last, you know, two days of training camp, I have less confidence in because he's struggling to make blocks and stuff like that. But I look at tight end as a position where if the Broncos are five and one at week six, that might be a position where they might want to trade for somebody, right? Like to me, they, they need a better option at tight end for the now. I think Dolch could be that guy in the future, but it takes a while for tight ends. It's a complicated uh, position to learn with the blocking and the pass catching. Um, and it's great to see Russell Wilson developing that chemistry with a tight end, like you're saying, Rachel, because he had legitimately talented tight ends in Seattle, like Jimmy Graham, and he never really developed a connection. But if I had the option of throwing to Cortland Sutton, Tim Patrick, Jerry Judy, KJ Hamler, or Eric Salbert, I would wish that my quarterback would not make that connection with Eric Salbert and rather it be maybe with Tim Patrick. Fair, fair enough. And a very good point too. But yeah, it's, it's just a tad concerning looking at his numbers, but he actually spoke to the media yesterday about kind of the expectations that he has for himself. So take a listen. I'm a guy who does whatever it takes, honestly. I, I look into everything, every part of my game, getting stronger, getting faster, uh, working with a, a route coach, uh, seeing, work, working with Russ, seeing what he wants. You know, we went out to San Diego with him. That was, that was like invaluable time. Just not only uh, getting to like refine the routes, but getting to know him as a person and, and how he operates because it really is on another level. And then seeing that it, it brings, it elevates all of us too, you know? Um, but no, I'm a guy that does whatever it takes. And uh, I take, like I said, I take that offseason very seriously. And uh, I'm, I'm, I'm glad I'm able to showcase that, you know? A very typical response being like, I do whatever it takes in the offseason, but he doesn't really make me buy into it, Jake. Yeah, I mean, everyone can just say they do whatever it takes. Uh, again, I, none of this means anything to me, like go out there and do it on a Sunday. Um, the other thing, and this is a good comment and a good point, Russ doesn't use the middle of the field. I, I think it's position-based. Russ is really small. He's a hard time seeing over the offensive line. Like that makes sense why he doesn't necessarily have all the connections with the uh, with the tight ends. And, you know, to me, Another concerning part of this is Eric is a, is a better blocking tight end than Albert probably is. And the Broncos may need a blocking tight end or a more blocking focused tight end because their offensive line is kind of a mess, right? Like we are looking at this and saying, hey, there's probably two starters we know for sure out of the five on the offensive line. And there's 15 guys that have their names rotating around for the five spots. And mm-hmm. that's really concerning to me because not but two years ago, Russell Wilson led the NFL in getting sacked. Uh, and yeah, that has a lot to do with Seattle's offensive line, but he may have been holding on to the football a little bit too long. He may have been not scrambling as much as he did early on in his career when he was more of a mobile quarterback. I don't expect 33-year-old Russell Wilson to be as athletic as 25-year-old Russell Wilson. So yeah, can he extend plays? Yeah. Should he be extending all the plays at this point in his career? I don't think so. So I'm a little concerned about the Bron- Broncos offensive line in general. I think the tight end is part of that. And I think this is the position, if any, that is going to hold the Broncos back. However, we don't really chat about it much because it's not necessarily a bright lights thing to talk about, right? Like it's fun to talk about if Jerry Judy drops the ball or not. We can all see if Jerry Judy blocks, uh, drops the ball or not. Rachel, I don't think you or I could really tell you the fundamentals of blocking as an offensive lineman. We'd need Tyler Columbus or Orlando Franklin on here to really talk about that. Mm -hmm. And 
a lot of you would go to sleep because you don't find it interesting. Yeah, no, you're 100% spot on, Jake. Um, absolutely there. And you're right. The offensive line, it's kind of almost as if, and the media were kind of involved in this too, but we got Russell Wilson and we thought all of our problems were saved. There were still a lot of issues last year. And I know we've got a new coaching system, everything there. There were still a lot of problems last year that will continue over, especially now with this new coaching system, because they are new. They're all figuring this out. And just because we got Russell Wilson, doesn't mean all the other problems are going to go away. So we've got a lot on the line. But before the show ends, I do want to quickly go, where the heck is the Stanley Cup, Jake? Who has the Stanley Cup? Do you know? I don't, but I see the graphic. and uh, Arturi Lekkinen's to got it today, baby. Ooh, Arturi Lekkinen. Did you see the picture Gabe Landeskog posted with the cup, Rachel? I did indeed see that. Yeah, and Andre Burkowski had it yesterday. So it's so cool to be seeing like where this is traveling. They're all in Sweden. Uh, so I think the cup is just hanging out in Sweden this week. But it's awesome to see all of these Avalanche players getting to hang out and enjoy their day with the cup. Yeah, it's it's why you play for, you know, the trophy. It's You get this awesome day. Um, I would like to borrow some frequent flyer miles from the Stanley Cup and Phil Pritchard, the keeper of the cup. That would be very nice. Uh, but Think about this, like how many jobs in the world, and this is the keeper of the cup guy. We interviewed him on denverfan.com earlier this year. Um, how many jobs would you really travel as much and get to see as many locations as Phil Pritchard? Like I'm thinking like you have to be like either an ambassador or like, you know, maybe some sort of engineer, some international engineer. Like there's probably only a handful of op, you know, jobs you can pick up where you travel as much as this gentleman does. And, that that's really awesome. Like, I, I don't know, like, I think all of us get the itch to travel every once in a while. I, I don't know that being in Sweden and Germany and, and Finland all summer and not getting to see your family is, is the best every summer for the rest of your life. But in the same sense, like, it seems like a pretty cool opportunity to do maybe once or twice. You pretty much get to go to parties every single day. So I'm sure that they have a little bit of fun. And yeah, I'm with you. I would love to take some frequent flyer miles from Philip Richard because I'm sure can go wherever the heck he wants nowadays. As a CSU girl here, CU guy, like me and you, I'm sure you were on this boat, but like you used to party like five days a week when you were at Fort Collins. I did that in Boulder. I, I'd stretch that out to seven a lot of times, but there's oh a reason God. why. Right, right. It's fun. There's a reason why I don't party five to seven times a week anymore. It's because it's exhausting and it's not fun. So I wonder at a certain point how sick of this you would get if you were following the Stanley Cup all summer. It's true. One day um, a week is plenty enough for me, maybe even one day a month. So, Jake, I appreciate you hanging out with us today. Everybody else, thank you so much for hanging with us and talking all training camp and a little bit of abs dabbled in there. We'll be back talking more training camp stuff tonight, 5.30 p.m. Come hang out with me, Cecil, and myself, and we will see you guys all tonight. Bye, everyone.